a wonderful reminder, and uh, we sure we sure do need that reminder. And um, I do ask you to to pray. I know you are uh, praying for tomorrow, praying for this service. And I would say Valley Bible Baptist Church, uh, we are at an important time in the life of our church. And um, as we've as we've shared. Uh, uh, many times, I, I'm so grateful for the service of Miss Brenda Abeta. We have been able to support now over a hundred missionaries, and uh, we've had missionaries sent out of our church, and uh, we receive monies from other churches uh, supporting those missionaries. And now, for 31 years, Miss Brenda has kept the books where every penny has been accounted for, and I'm so grateful for that. So grateful for that uh, service. And, uh, but we've had uh, one of our faithful soldiers ushered into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I'm thinking how important it is, and God will always do this. He's always so faithful because as we just heard, he never changes. And he will raise up, and he's been so gracious bringing to us folks and adding to the church. And uh, just years ago when Miss Brenda started uh, this process, uh, just a small handful of folks and supporting uh, six missionaries, and uh, God has been good, and uh, he will raise up laborers. He will raise up faithful soldiers, and uh, it's going to take some commitment. There are going to be somebody, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be somebody who's going to have to fill some shoes, and somebody's going to have to rise up, and uh, many other shoes that need to be filled, and uh, if we could just take uh, uh, faithfully our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, then God will add and give exactly what is needed. He's always been faithful to do that. He never changes. Uh, this morning we're going to be in Psalm 61. Psalm 61, if you are able to stand with me, ask you to stand as we read this psalm together. Uh, through the years, this has been one of my favorites. Uh, there have been times uh, just going through uh, situations I would pick up and just begin to read through the psalms. And at uh, times, just reading through the entire Psalms in one section, and uh, there was a particular point in time that Psalm 61 uh, just became very precious in my own heart and life. Now, Psalm 61, it's a Psalm of David. It reads, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I want to take that as the title this morning, Lead Me to the Rock that is Higher Than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I'd like you to join me this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And you ask the Lord today for his way in this service. And as always, we need to hear from the Lord. Father, thank you. I thank you that you never change, that you're always the same. 
And I thank you that the words of the Lord endure forever. They never change. Your promises never change. Lord, I thank you that we can come here to that security this morning. And Lord, our prayer today is the very prayer of King David. Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lord, there's somebody here today that would mean the need of salvation. Lord, there's somebody today that it would mean comfort. There's somebody today that it would mean conviction and forgiveness of sins. There's somebody here today that it would mean help and comfort and strength in the time of a storm. Lord, would you have your way in this service this morning. In the wonderful, precious name of Jesus, we pray and ask, amen. And you may be seated here this morning. And this particular psalm, as I said, has become a favorite of mine through the years. And it was born out of a particular crisis in David's life. And he was facing a problem. It's very evident as we read through this psalm. Uh, he was facing a problem that was bigger than he. It was a problem that was too big for him to handle on his own. I don't know exactly when this psalm was penned, but there are several that claim this psalm was written after Absalom's rebellion. David, at that particular time, had been forced out of Jerusalem. If you were to go back and read the accounts and the details of, of David's life, and uh, as a result, all of Israel uh, has been affected. And Absalom, at the end, was slain. And in 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse number 33, uh, you hear the, the cry of David at the death of his son. Uh, and the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. It's very clear, and if that were perhaps the time when David penned the psalm, his heart was overwhelmed. Now, there's no doubt as, as we read through this psalm that David was at a low point in his life, and uh, it was more than he could bear, and all of us have been there at some point, and if we haven't been, we will be at some point in our life. It's at this time, if you go back with me, read verse number two with me. David said, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, last week we, we dealt with Matthew chapter 7. We've been preaching through the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. We have in that particular parable two builders. One was wise. One was foolish. Many similarities between the two builders. Both were building a home. Both faced the storms. The rain descended. The floods came. The winds blew and beat upon that house in the case of both of the builders. Both builders, builders heard the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's at this point there's a separation. The wise builder uh, was different than the foolish builder. The wise builder, his home would stand. It would be firm. It was builded upon a rock. He heard the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He put those words into application. He was a doer of the word and not a hearer only. The house of the foolish man would fall. It was builded upon the sand. He heard the words of Christ, but he did not 
outdo them. I believe in Christianity today, that is one of the great needs. Many have heard the word of God, but few apply the word of God or do the word of God or live their lives in accordance to the principles of God's word. And as a result, they, they think they get by with it, but the time comes, the storms come into every life. And the time comes that the house is not builded upon the principles of God's word, that house will fall. Now, in the parable of last week, the, the rock is the word of God. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. The wise man built his house upon the word of God. He built his house upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the foolish man did not do so. He went about the affairs of his life, neglected the word of God, neglected the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here in Psalm 61, David is facing the difficulty of a storm. He speaks that his heart was overwhelmed. And so David, during this difficulty, I believe, is putting into application the parable of Matthew chapter 7. What did David do? David looked to the rock. And that rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, every one of us are going to face storms, and there are going to be storms in our lives that are bigger than us, and storms that threatened to destroy us and storms that will overwhelm us. And during the storm, the wise man will seek shelter in the rock. He's going to seek shelter in the Lord. That was David. Now, the foolish man, when the storm comes, is going to get bitter. He's going to turn from the rock. He's going to seek his own answers. Now, if the time frame uh, of this psalm is the time of Absalom's death and Absalom's rebellion, David could have been bitter. David could have blamed God, but he did not do so. He's a man after God's own heart. Now, what did David do? David turned to Christ, and that prayer, lead me to the rock, is higher than I. I want you to take Psalm 61 for just a moment. I'm going to break it down into four parts, but I want you to see the four I wills of this psalm. Notice in verse number two. In verse number two, David said, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Go to verse number four. He said, I will abide in thy tabernacle. And then in verse number four, I will trust in the covert of thy wings. And then in verse number 8, so will I sing praise unto thy name. That's how you build upon the rock. And we're going to look at those four I wills. And we're going to break that down into how you seek that rock that is higher than you during the storm of your life. Now read with me again verses 1 and 2. And the first principle here is that David prayed in the midst of his storm. Verse number 1. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. There's no doubt in this prayer, this is a prayer of brokenness. Twice David mentions my cry. Uh, verse number one, he says, hear my cry. And in verse number two, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. It's very clear, David was at the end of himself. He didn't know what to say. You ever been there 
You don't even know what to pray. You don't know how to pray. You don't know how to, to voice into words your prayer. And all you can do at that time is what David did, and he cried in the midst of that storm. And he said, from the end of the earth will I cry, not knowing what to say. And all he could do, this is brokenness. And there are many times in the word of God that God's people cried out to him. You'll find the cry of God's people is a powerful, powerful prayer. In Genesis chapter 21, we have the example of Agar. She's wandering in the wilderness with Ishmael. She's been dismissed from Abraham's house. Their water is spent. They're looking at a point of hopelessness. And it's at that point that she cries unto the Lord. She lifts up her voice and wept. And the Bible said God heard the voice of the lad. In the book of Exodus chapter 2, the children of Israel are in bondage in Egypt. And uh, it was looking to be a very uh, bleak situation. And in that bondage, the children of Israel sighed and they cried by reason of the bondage. And they cried and then their cry came up unto God by reason of that bondage. In the book of Judges, we have the backslidings of the children of Israel. We find that they would get away from God and, and God would send pestilence or uh, a, uh, uh, an enemy against them. And in the midst of their turmoil at the bottom of themselves, they would often cry out unto God and God would hear their cry. And on one particular occasion in Judges chapter 6, as the Midianites have surrounded the children of Israel, uh, the Bible says of them, the children of Israel cried to the Lord, and God then sent Gideon and delivered them from the hand of the Midianites. <clears throat> Throughout the word of God, God delights in the prayers of brokenness. You find several examples in the word of God. There was conviction of lostness. Men and women under conviction of their direction, their destiny without Jesus Christ. I think of the publican in the temple. He would not so much as lift up his eyes unto God, but he cried in that situation. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Bible tells us that that publican left the temple that day justified. It was a cry of brokenness that the Lord heard. It was on the day of Pentecost as Peter is preached. They're under deep conviction. The Bible says they were pricked in their heart. They were burdened. They were broken. They saw their lostness. They had just crucified the Son of God. They put Him upon a cross. They were guilty. And now they cry out to Peter, What shall we do? And there is Peter presenting salvation unto them. And that day 3,000 were saved. God heard their cry. And they became a part of that local church. They were uh, baptized biblically and became a part of that church. And God hears the cry of a lost man under conviction. There are times that we're overwhelmed by storms. There were the disciples at the Sea of Galilee. He was asleep on the boat. He was there with them, but asleep. And they were overwhelmed in their storm. And they awakened the Lord. Master, carest thou not that we perish? They're afraid they're going to die in the midst of the storm. And of course, we know that the Lord was awakened and he rebuked the wind. And can you imagine the storm went from the danger to the place that the Sea of Galilee was like lost at the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. On another occasion, a storm arose while the disciples were at sea, and this time Jesus was not on the boat. He was on the mountain praying for them, and he came walking 
uh, on the water unto them. They, they were afraid, uh, frightened. They, they felt a spirit. And uh, the Lord said, Be not afraid, it is I. And then Peter said, Lord, bid me come to thee. And Jesus directed Peter out of the boat. He began to walk to Jesus. But then he got his eyes off of Jesus, back onto the storm. He began to sink. And his simple words, his cry, Lord, save me. The Lord reached down and pulled Peter out of the midst of the storm. They both entered the boat, and again, Jesus spoke the words, Peace, be still, and that storm was calm at the very word of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, Paul is going through a storm, and he writes, We despaired even of life itself. He's telling of a time near the end of his life when those of Asia have turned against him. And in 2 Peter, he tells us that Demas hath forsaken him. Alexander the coppersmith did him much evil. And at his first answer, as he stood before Caesar, he said, no man stood with me. But in the midst of Paul's storm, he came to realize, nevertheless, the Lord stood with me. He was there in my storm. The Lord in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 Verse number 14 tells us, and this ought to be the heart cry of God's people. And if we look at our situation today, we look at Israel today, we look at America today, it, it ought to break our heart as to where we are in the world today. And there ought to be a heart cry from God's people. And God said, if my people called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, then will I forgive their sins, then Will I heal their land? That's the prayer of David. It's a prayer of brokenness. I want you to look again, verse number 2, Psalm 61. It's a prayer for guidance. This is so very crucial, so very important. David said, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. This is so important. Lead me to the rock that is higher. See, David feels separated from God from the end of the earth. He fled Jerusalem in Absalom's rebellion. He was away from the house of God. As he said, I'm overwhelmed. I picture a storm at the sea and the waves are crashing. The individuals are adrift at sea and the boat is about to break apart and David, in the midst of that storm, he sees a rock uh, ahead just above the storm, but he can't quite get there. He can't quite reach it. And if only I can get to the rock, it's too high for me to reach. But Lord, lead me to that rock that is higher than I. The story is told of a dangerous coast in England, a rock wall. It said that during storms, many a sailor drowned at sea amidst that rock. The rock was there, and had they been able to reach the pinnacle of that rock, they would have been safe from the storm, but the rock was too high. It's told of a Christian man that he saw the death of many sailors, and he determined that he would build some steps in that stone. And after years of work and labor, he accomplished this. He made steps up to the pinnacle of that rock. And there was many a sailor that would come to that place. And uh, they would find that refuge in those steps that would lead them to the top of the rock and away from the storm. And that safety 
lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Friend, that rock is Jesus Christ. H.A. Ironside told the story of a young man that was struggling with his salvation. He came to Mr. Ironside. He says, I, I feel like I am a vessel at sea. And he says, the storms are raging and the waves are rolling. And he said, I feel like I'm bobbing up and down in the middle of the sea. He said, one moment I feel saved and one moment I feel lost and I'm back and forth. And he said, I'm so confused and I'm at the end of myself. And H.A. Ironside said to this young man very wisely, he says, young man, he said, if you will just relax and let your feet come down just below you, you're going to find that there's a rock. You can stand on that rock. And that rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. And whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he won't lie to you and he won't deceive you. And you can rest and relax in the Lord Jesus Christ. The debt has been paid. The price has been paid. Rest your feet upon the rock. And that young man let his feet sink to that rock. And from that moment forward, he knew that he knew that he knew that he was saved. The storms could rage all around him, but his salvation was secure upon the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. We sometimes sing the song, and often in the invitation, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for thee. If you look at the name upon that song, you'll see the name Charlotte Elliot. Charlotte Elliot struggled. She felt she was unworthy of salvation. She worked and labored and tried to earn and tried to gain her salvation. And it uh, seemed the harder she tried, the worse she got. I understand that. And so as she labored for that salvation, a preacher came to her and said, Charlotte, you can't change your own life. Jesus purchased you just as you are. He paid for you. You come to him as a sinner in need of grace. You can never make yourself worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for all of us, unworthy as we be. And there Charlotte rested her faith in Jesus Christ and wrote those songs, that word later, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Lord, I come, I come. And what a beautiful principle. Multitudes have come to saving faith in Christ through the testimony of that song. Maybe you're here this morning and that's your need. Maybe you're here and you're saved and you know that you know that you're saved, but you're facing a storm and it's a huge, huge storm and, and you feel you're sinking in the midst of that storm. And uh, can I challenge you, there's a rock that is above the storm and your strength is spent, but he can lead you to that rock. And you know, sometimes we don't even have the energy to get ourselves to the rock, but we can cry out and say, Lord, lead me. I'm spent, I have not the ability, but Lord, you can do it. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David prayed, and you can pray as he did. Now, there's another I will. 
Not only did David pray, but in his storm, David found refuge. I want you to read here verse 3, Psalm 61. Psalm 61, verse 3, For thou hast been a shelter for me, and a strong tower from the enemy. And what does he say? I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. See, that rock is our refuge in the storm. He says in verse number 3, Thou hast been a shelter for me. Many times in David's past, he had found a shelter in that rock, and he needed that shelter once again. Reminds me, when my boys were little, I had taken some of them. I don't even remember which ones were with me. We went on a fishing trip, and as we were on that particular trip, we were fishing on the Chama River. And I remember there in the afternoon, suddenly a storm came upon us, and uh, there the rains began to descend. The thunder was crashing around us, but I had remembered we had just walked under an overhang of rocks that were by the river. We made our way back to that overhang, and as that storm came there upon us that day, we were safe in the shelter of that rock. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is for us. Now, I can also picture a hen, and uh, a hen with baby chicks, and that hen becomes the shelter for those baby chicks. It's a wonderful thing. If you've never seen it, you've got to see it sometimes, how a mother hen takes care of the baby chicks, and uh, you'll understand that when the danger comes, the babies, they flock to that mama hen. And that mama hen covers her feathers around those baby chicks. And those baby chicks are safe in the shelter no matter what is taking place on the outside. That's the picture that David's given to us. He says in verse number 3, In a strong tower from the enemy, uh, David knew that in Christ the enemy could not destroy him. Yes, the enemy was greater than David was himself, but the enemy was not greater than the rock. And the Lord Jesus Christ would be the tower in the midst of that storm. Verse 4, I like this, this thought, I will abide. Uh, that word abide means dwell. I will dwell, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. See, the tabernacle is the place of God's presence. And David said, I'm going to come to that tabernacle, to the presence of the Lord. We have a refuge in Christ. We have a shelter in the time of storm. I want you to keep your place in Psalm 61, but I'd like you to go with me to Romans chapter 8. And for many, these have become special, special verses. You can see this shelter in the storm. In Romans chapter 8, these wonderful promises that God gives unto his children. Romans chapter number 8, notice in verse number 18. Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. See, Paul in his storm was able to look forward to the wonderful glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many of you will know, verse number 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But notice this wonderful shelter, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, David prayed in his storm. David found refuge in his storm. Go back with me to Psalm 61. There's a third I will. David trusted in his storm. He said in verse 4, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever, but notice this, I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. Again, like the baby chick, I will trust in the covert of thy wings. When the storm comes, the baby chick makes its way to the mama hen and safe. He trusted, David did, in answered prayer. Look in verse number 5. He says, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Isn't that a wonderful thought? You've heard me. Verse number 1, remember the prayer. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. And now he's able to speak, Lord, you, you've heard me. Many are content just to pray. No concern as to whether or not God hears their prayer, but not so with David. David prayed to be heard. Friend, when you're facing the storm, when you're at the end of yourself, when you're overwhelmed, when it seems hopeless in your particular circumstances, uh, you need to be heard by the Lord. And those that walk with God have found that God is always faithful. He's faithful in good times. He's faithful in difficult times. God is God. He's always righteous. He's always good. He's always holy. He always has your best in mind. And those that walk with God have found that in their difficulty, God hears them. He trusted God to hear his prayer. He trusted in God's goodness. Notice the latter part of verse number 5, Psalm 61. He says, Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. I think of Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, I want you to keep your place here, but go with me to Proverbs. And God uh, teaches many times through the Proverbs the blessing of those that fear God. For example, Psalm or Proverbs 1 verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Turn to Proverbs 14. Wonderful promise here. Proverbs 14 verse 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord, in verse number 27, is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Uh, Proverbs 19, verse 23. Proverbs 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Uh, Psalm 22 and verse number 4 reads, By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. You see, David trusted in the goodness of God. He feared God and he knew this wonderful blessing that those that fear the Lord are going to find a refuge in God. Go back to Psalm 61. David trusted in God's promises. Wonderful thoughts here. Look at verse 6. David said, Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. And 
David, as he fled from, Saul, uh, from Absalom, did not know whether he would live or not, but God prolonged his life. But there's something much deeper here. In verse number 7, He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. I really believe, as in the case of many of the Psalms, that King David is looking beyond himself to King Jesus. You realize this morning that all of our blessings come to us through our relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to go with me to Ephesians. This is good. Ephesians chapter 1. Again, we're coming back to Psalm 61. But Ephesians chapter 1, you can see the blessings that come upon us through our King, King Jesus. And it is through King Jesus that we are preserved forever and ever, these promises of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. We read, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Friend, I am accepted of God through the Beloved, through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not accepted by my own righteousness. I've been accepted through the righteousness and the blood of Jesus. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Ephesians chapter 2 tells the horrible story of our lives without salvation. We're dead in trespasses and sin. We are doomed to hell forever and ever. We are depraved in our mind and we walk according to the course of this world. But notice verse 4 of Ephesians 2. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's the wonderful promise. All of the blessings. See, David is looking beyond this life to the blessings that will come forever and ever. And friends, I understand that my blessings come through my Savior, Jesus Christ. I had the privilege just a couple of months ago preaching Brother Whitehead's funeral. Brother Whitehead, dear, faithful friend here at Valley Bible Baptist Church. And Brother Whitehead often would take Ephesians 2, verse number 7, and he would share about the riches. And he would say to those, he would, would you like your grandchildren? Would you like your children to know the riches of Christ? And then he would use that as an opportunity to present the gospel message of Jesus Christ. All of God's goodness comes to us through his relationship with Christ. And so David trusted the Lord. I have one more thought, and this is very important. Go back with me to Psalm 61. In the midst of David's storm, David sang. Notice this. He says in verse number 8, So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Now remember how the psalm began. David's heart was overwhelmed. It's a storm bigger than himself. He looked to the rock that was higher than he, and he found refuge in that rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. And his storm then turned to a song. Please listen this morning. There's great power in singing praise 
after our storm. You don't always feel like it. But when you look to the rock that is higher, you have a song that you can sing. You have a salvation that is secure. You have a hope that the world does not know. I think about Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. He's surrounded by the Midianite armies, the Ammonites, and looked hopeless. They found a word from God, said, this battle is not yours. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. They marched out in obedience to the Lord, but as they marched toward the enemy, they began to sing a song. The Bible says as Jehoshaphat and these armies without weapons marched against the enemy, as they began to sing praises to the Lord, the Bible said that God set ambushments about them, and the enemy turned on themselves and destroyed themselves. Jehoshaphat did not have to lift a weapon. God won the battle. There's power in singing. There's power in praising God. Through the storm. You are very familiar with Paul and Silas. They are in the Philippian prison for preaching the gospel. They've been beaten. They're chained to the stocks. And at the midnight hour, they begin to sing praises to the Lord. They begin to sing praises. God sent an earthquake and delivered them from their prison. We believe that the jailer got saved along with his household and I believe when a man gets right with God his household will follow suit and so he got right the jailer in singing the praise of God later Paul wrote to the Philippian Christians Paul's in a Roman prison this time Paul does not know whether he's going to ever be released from that Roman prison but as he writes the book of Philippians it's one of the most joyful books in the Bible, he writes and he says, I, I pray always for you with great joy. And it's in Philippians chapter 4 that Paul, from the Roman prison house, is able to say, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing in everything. Through prayer, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Friends, it came about as a result of singing and praising God in the midst of the storm. Psalm 61, verse number 2. David said, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The wise man looks to the rock. He builds on the rock. David prayed in his storm. David found refuge through Christ in his storm. David trusted the Lord in the middle of his storm. And David sang praises to God in the middle of his storm. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's my King Jesus. And he knows you this morning.
There's somebody here today, maybe you're like that young man. You're sinking up and down, bobbing of the sea, not certain of salvation. You can let your feet sink to the rock this morning. Maybe you're like David facing a storm that's beyond you. And you're looking, you don't even have the power to get to that rock, but you can cry, Lord, lead me to that rock. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed.